Let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Samuel 24. We're actually going to be looking at both chapters 24 and 26 because these chapters are almost mirror images of them because in both of these chapters, God gives David uh, a golden opportunity to kill Saul. And we're going to see how David responds to that opportunity. The title of the message is To Spear or to Spare, Dealing with an Abusive Leader. And this is part one. I, had, I did not want to break this into two messages, but as I got going, it's just too much to put into one sermon. So um, rather than keep you here on Father's Day until three in the afternoon, we're going to finish it up next week. But um, this text deals with an abusive leader. But I think many of the principles we're going to be looking at today, many of the issues we're going to be talking about, extend really to any abusive relationship. So if I want to just begin by saying this, if you are the victim or the survivor of an abusive relationship, whether it be an abusive church leader, an abusive church, an abusive spouse or parent, or any other relationship, and you're struggling with the deep wounds that that can leave. We just want to say, first of all, God cares about you. God loves you. God wants to heal those wounds. We care about you. And if you find that you are struggling and you can't get to a place of healing, uh, you're not alone. And I want to encourage you to seek out biblical and wise counseling to talk through that, to get counseling. You can email Ken Jensen at counseling at gracecorning.org and you can talk with him and find out about setting up a counseling appointment because this is a sensitive subject. And I have met enough people over the years to know the deep wounds that this can leave in people's hearts. We don't want to we don't want you to stay there if that's where you're there. We want to do everything we can to help you find the healing that God has for you and wants for you. So let's begin with prayer. Let's ask God for his blessing upon this time in his word. Heavenly Father, in this holy moment, we come to you. Thank you that your word has all that we need for life and godliness. Father, would you speak through to us through your word this morning would you speak hope wisdom discernment grace to us this morning we come as vessels wanting to receive from you and we thank you for your faithfulness to meet us when we seek you bless this time in your word in jesus name amen saul was a spear chucker. The Bible says earlier on we read that an evil spirit, whether that is a demonic spirit, whether that was just a, a, a wicked or a evil human spirit that came upon him, whether it was a mental tormenting, we don't know. But we know this, he became jealous of David's success and popularity. He also knew that David was a threat to his reign because God had anointed David as king. That wasn't necessarily public notice, but it became known, and I think he discerned it, that God was with David. 
far more than he was with. And he had already heard God say to him, I've rejected you as king. So all this is stirring around in his heart. And so as we've read before, more than once Saul hurled his spear at David to pin him to the wall, to kill him. Once even hurled his spear at his son Jonathan when he stood up for David. That's how obsessed, that's how unhinged Saul is. Now what we read in chapters 24 and 26 is that God gives David a golden opportunity twice to kill Saul with the same spear Saul hurled at him. So in chapter 24, Saul and his men are are chasing David. David and his men hide in a cave. Saul goes into that cave to relieve himself not knowing that all the David's army is in that cave deeper in. And so as he is there relieving himself, here's what the men said to David. They're back in the cave. They see Saul alone relieving himself. Talk about vulnerable. Verse 4, chapter 24, verse 4. The men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of. When he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Today's the day, David. God is giving your enemy into your hands. Take that spear, run Saul through with it. You will be king. We can stop running. Verse four goes on to say, then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And afterward, David's heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. David refuses to kill Saul. And he forbids, and the the word in the Hebrew is, is a strong Word, he forbids his men from killing Saul. So he cuts off a corner of Saul's robe simply to prove how easy it would have been for him to kill Saul. And to prove he has no intention of hurting Saul. We'll read a little more about that next week. Now in chapter 26, David and his men are in the wilderness And Saul and his men are following, and they camp for the night. And David and his men discover where they're camping. And here's what's happened in chapter 26, verse 7. So David and Abishai went to the army by night, and there was Saul lying asleep inside the camp with his spear stuck in the ground near his head. Abner and the soldiers were lying around him. The spear is right by his head. God has given David a golden opportunity. Take that spear he hurled at him. Just a couple inches over. And that's what Abishai says. Verse 8, Abishai said to David, Today God has delivered your enemy into your hands. You see how they're interpreting this. Now, let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of the spear. I won't strike him twice. 
There won't be a need for a second strike. I'll run that spear through his skull. But David said to Abishai, do not destroy him. For who can put out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? You see what we see in chapter 24 and chapter 26 is twice God gives David a perfect opportunity to kill Saul. Both times David's men interpret this as providence. God giving him his enemy into his hands. But David doesn't see it that way. David saw it as God giving him an opportunity not to kill Saul, but to show him he meant him no harm. David would not take the kingdom from Saul by force. Now that spear leaning on the cave wall, that spear stuck in the ground by Saul's head was the spear that Saul hurled at David David was not going to strike Saul with it because David was resolved not to become another Saul, another spear chucker. God had something better for him. I want to pause here and just say, just because God opens a door for us or gives us an opportunity to do something doesn't mean it's God's will for us to do it. We have to learn God's voice more clearly than just when a door opens, we walk through it. David didn't direct his life by opportunities. He didn't interpret God's will by opportunities. He interpreted his God's will by something far deeper, and that is the word of God, the wisdom of God, the character of God. So David, David saw this is an opportunity, but not to kill. And he knew God didn't want him to kill Saul because God didn't want him to become another Saul. See, if we chuck spears at spear chuckers, if we hate and abuse abusers, we will become like them. We will take on their spirit and it won't stop with that person. We will become what we hate in them. And it will spread to other relationships. God has a better way. God has a better way. And David, I believe, teaches us some healthy and wise steps to take when dealing with an abusive leader. Now, we're going to unpack those steps next week. But I think it's first important to consider what are some signs of an abusive leader? And I want to begin as we look at signs of an abusive leader or an abusive person with, with, a, with maybe two words of caution. Two words of caution. The first word is not to ignore abuse. We can, we can cover up and, and just not think that there is any abuse and, and go that direction. But the other side is we can, we, can, we can label every hurt anyone's ever inflicted on us, and any wrong word, any sinful action as abuse, and we can label someone an abuser. Listen, we are all sinners. We at some point have hurled spears of angry words, unfair criticism, impatient ultimatums, and other hurtful words. We've hurled those spears at others. They've hurled them at us. And when did we do it? It's wrong. 
It's absolutely wrong. And we are to ask forgiveness both of God and of that person and repent of that. But that act of occasionally sinful words, hurtful words, or even actions does not an abuser make because we live in that world. We're all sinners. And by the way, Christian leaders and pastors are human. They are. And they do, we do, the same dumb, sinful things. Can I get an amen? I didn't get an amen. <laughs> Only one I heard was my wife. <laughs> amen. There we go. That's what I'm looking for. No, the point is, I mean, I look back on, I'm pastoring long enough. There are so many things I look back on that cringe. Things I said, things I did. And, it, and it's wrong. And we need to ask God to forgive us. And we need to ask that person to forgive us. My point with this is just, we do need to be cautious. Because we live in a sinful world, and we live and we are sinners, and our relationships all have the taint of sin in them. And so we need to be careful. We don't just label someone as abusive just because we had non-pleasant interaction with them or had a difference or they sinned against us. God uses our differences. He uses our arguments. He uses the tensions, even our sinful actions and words against each other to teach us to love, to teach us to be patient, to teach us to forbear, to grow us more Christ-like in patience and forgiveness. And so to accuse someone of abuse when they aren't abusers is in itself a form of abuse. So we need to be careful about not seeing abuse in every challenging relationship. Let's unpack a few things. I'm gonna to go to a couple different sources and then I'm going to go to 1 Samuel to unpack some thoughts that I hope will be helpful to you in identifying or signs of an abusive leader. The first thing I want to read, I found this list by Tom Rainer. He's a pastor. He's, a, he's a, an author. And he writes this list. This is adapted from his list. An abusive leader manipulates to promote his or her agenda. An abusive leader manipulates to promote his or her agenda agenda. An abusive leader dodges, deflects, or rejects criticism. Third, consistently minimizes or rationalizes their negative behavior. Fourth, intimidates people with their biblical and persuasive arguments. Number five, twists scripture to support his or her claims. Number six, turns criticism back on the person confronting them, shutting down their concerns. Seven, shields himself or herself from critics and marginalizes them. Eight, insists on his or her agenda despite the concerns of others. And number nine, justifies their agenda by saying that God told them so if you've encountered an abusive leader, you probably recognize some or all of these attributes. Maybe you are the person they marginalized or they shut down or they turned your concerns back on you or they manipulated you or gaslighted you. Gaslighting is from a great classic movie 
when they begin to make you question your sense and perception of reality. What's real or what's not. In his book about abusive leaders, it's called When a Narcissist Comes to Church, Chuck DeGroote writes this, perhaps the most frightening thing about narcissism's bite is that it often comes without leaving a physical wound. The trauma inflicted can look like humiliation, hypercriticism, silence, exclusion, jealousy, extreme mood swings, guilt, shame, control of finances, blame shifting, isolating one from friends and family, threats, boundary violations, and much more. Now, when we look at Saul, we see many of these traits, outbursts of anger, unreasonable accusations, blame shifting, jealousy, extreme mood swings, threats, isolating. David is isolated. Abusive leaders are often, and I want to bring a couple things out from Saul They are often a confusing mixture of good and bad. So I want you to consider King Saul for a moment. Consider King Saul. He was a great king. He was. He was chosen by God. He was anointed by God's man, Samuel, the prophet. The spirit of God came upon Saul and he prophesied. He united a fractured nation. He built a strong army. He defeated many of Israel's enemies and he expanded their national boundaries. Saul was powerful. He was courageous and he was charismatic. He was a great king. He was also an abusive king. He could be rash controlling, given to outbursts of anger. He hurt others in order to pursue his own selfish agenda. Remember the time that he made a vow that no one in his army was allowed to eat until he got the victory he wanted in the timing he wanted. That didn't work out too well. He was ready to kill anyone he perceived as a threat to his authority And as we learned last week, he killed hundreds of people, including men, women, and children in a city out of paranoia and a misguided sense of retribution for a crime that was not even committed. That's abusive. That ain't small abusive. That's massively abusive. When someone believes that he or she is being led by an abusive leader, one of the things that can be very confusing is they see good qualities in that person. They see perhaps impressive ministry from that leader and they think God's hand is obviously on them. God is obviously blessing this ministry. How, how could that be? If they were abusive, I must be wrong. And it's often that confusion of there's good qualities, there's good ministry. I must get it wrong. I must have it wrong. And it sets up an inner confusion and even condemnation. There's something wrong with me. My sense of reality must be warped. To add to the confusion, often different people have different experiences with the same leader. 
Many people find them gracious, kind, compassionate, wonderful. But the person who brings a concern to them sees another side to them. Finds they turn on them with surprising hostility. And that can be so confusing when everybody's loving on them. And wow, it sets up it sets up confusion even within ministry leaders and boards because that's the guy God's used to bring us to this level of success. How could they be abusive? It, you know, let's keep this quiet. Let's just, man, God's using them. It can be confusing. So they're often a mixture of good and bad. The second characteristic we see, and we've been saying this, but we're going to say it again, they throw spears at people. They throw spears at people. Probably not literal spears like Saul, but spears of guilt, manipulation, condemnation, hypercriticism, gaslighting. There's other spears, spears of self-pity. You don't understand. I'm, I'm serving, I'm this, I'm that, and you're just trying to hurt me. I heard one person sharing about her experience, um, she and her husband and several others, when they brought a concern, and I'm not going to go into what the concern was, but it was a legitimate, a legitimate concern, and she brought it, she tried to obey the Lord by going alone to the pastor. And just sharing it. It wasn't even concerned directly about him. And to sum up very quickly, his first response was to come at her. You do nothing but criticize. You're gossiping about me. You're this, you're that, you're, you know, you're hurt, you know, and all that. And then she said, the minute I said, I, I know what you feel. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for if you feel that way. The minute she showed him compassion, he became all kind and, hey, you know, it was all about him. Self-pity can be a spear. But those spears pin us to the wall of their agenda or punish us for not going along with it. An abusive leader thinks it's all about him or her. Saul felt threatened by anyone that might take his power away from him. To Saul, it wasn't about what God wanted. It was about what Saul Want it. Leaders who claim to be Christian and are abusive often use God as a justification for their abuse. God is on their side. To question or to criticize them is to touch God's anointed. And he will punish you. Many years ago when I was on Long Island, but it... it I just remember this true story. Sat with a young couple that were coming to our church recently. And they shared with me how the church they had been in previously, when they mentioned to their pastor, and they just, they left because they had concerns and they saw some things going on they didn't like. When they said, we're, we're, we're leaving the church, this pastor told them that God would kill them if they left the church. God would kill them. True. Now that's extreme, amen? That's extreme. 
But the more subtle version is, if you don't do what I'm saying and what God is saying through me, you're in disobedience to God and his hand of blessing will be removed from your life. And that leaves a person confused and frightened. Abusive leaders often isolate people who even humbly disagree or question them or bring concerns. Abusive church leaders often shun people who they see as a threat to their agenda. And sometimes church members go along with that shunning because they either assume the person did something wrong or they're afraid they'll be shunned if they reach out to that person. Alyssa Childers tells of a time when she was in this church, working in this church, was a leader in the church, and, and one of the women that she worked with all the time, constantly worked with, disappeared, just disappeared. And so she wondered, what's going on? She pulled out her phone, started to write a text to that person to say, are you okay? What's going on? And suddenly she stopped. What if they find out I'm texting her? Fear hit her. Will I be shunned? Will I be dragged before and face consequences? And then she realized that's wrong. She finished the text, sent it. And this woman reached out to her to share that she appreciated it. And they were able to get together for coffee and talk. So I just want to say this. People leave churches for many reasons. People have left Grace Community Church over the years for a number of different reasons. One thing you'll never hear us say is don't reach out to them or ask them why. We'll never say that. If you see someone missing and you wonder why, Give them a call. Reach out to them. Even if people leave this church or any other church over a disagreement, a difference, we are still brothers and sisters in Christ. We can enjoy sweet fellowship. Many friends over the years, more than I wish, have left this church. We're still friends. We still enjoy sweet fellowship. Even when there's been differences. So we can still enjoy sweet fellowship together, unless the difference is a matter of heresy. If the difference is a matter of heresy, and we've never had that, but if that were to come up, we'd probably have to talk about that. The other biblical exception that Paul gives to us is when a person is divisive. Then Paul says we are to warn them once, twice, and then have nothing to do with them. I think that's kind of rare. And we need to be careful that we don't label someone asking questions or having concerns or having differences means, even if they don't handle those questions or differences perfectly, 
I think we need to be very careful not to label that as divisive. Differences don't need to be divisive. If Christ is our savior, we belong to one kingdom, we belong to one church, and what we have in common is far bigger than any differences we have. Amen? Saul became a spear-chucking, murderous, manipulative, cruelly abusive leader. What does David do about it? Now, some people emphasize, David said we are not to put our hand out against God's anointed, and then they just stop there. And that's true. That's true. But we'll talk more about that next week. But they stop there and they say, we aren't to criticize, we aren't to confront, because that would be to touch God's anointed. <clears throat> and that's not healthy. That's not healthy. <clears throat> First of all, he's talking about the king. If you're going, and obviously you're here, but there might be people watching. If you're going to a church where the pastor is a king, you need to get out. You need to get out. He's talking about a king. Second of all, there is that legitimate. You don't want to be criticizing and, and, and hurting the, even, even a very imperfect vessel. But to just say, don't criticize, don't confront. What that does is it enables an abuser to continue to abuse and damage more lives. So that when someone's abusive, I don't care what their position is, they need to be confronted wisely. We'll talk a little more about what that looks like next week. Now, on the other hand, someone might see that spear leaning right next to the head and think, this is it. I have the opportunity to hurt them back. I'm going to tear that leader down. I'm going to gossip. I'm going to spread this everywhere. I'm going to run that spear right through them because turnabout is fair play. I'm going to pin them to the wall. And that's not God's way either. There's a third option for dealing with an abusive leader, and David models it well. Let me close this morning by just saying this. If you have experienced an abusive leadership or abusive relationship, I want you to know that Jesus is your advocate. He is your advocate. He is on your side. He loves you and he will walk through the emotional valleys <clears throat> with you. Don't let their baggage become your baggage. Don't let their spear chucking make you think there must be something wrong with me or that somehow I deserved it because they chucked a spear at me. David was able to walk through this hard season with tremendous grace, tremendous freedom, tremendous confidence, because he knew his God was with him, and you can know that too. If the wounds are still open and raw, if you're not able to shake the trauma and the voices within, Again, I want to encourage you, seek out good friends. You're not, don't gossip. 
But talking to a friend, sharing with friends in confidentiality, sharing with counseling, with the goal not of ripping anybody apart, but to, but to be able to get perspective, that's not gossip. Go to counselinggracecorning.org if you want to set up counseling. <clears throat> but you want to make sure it's people that are not going to feed bitterness in you, feed anger in you, like the men around David. This is the hand of God. Strike them down and kill them. You don't want that kind of counsel coming in through that. You want to find those who free you from guilt, condemnation, through biblical and loving encouragement. We'll talk more about what that looks like next week. Let's pray. Father, as we look at a difficult subject, particularly difficult for those who, for whom this is not a concept, this has been life. They've experienced this firsthand. I pray, Father, you will speak such a, such a, a word of love to their souls, such a stabilizing word that speaks to their identity, where there may be spear wounds of guilt, condemnation, fear, gaslighting, that it brings healing, that it brings healing. I pray for anyone who might be in a situation that they're not sure, and I pray for discernment. If someone finds themselves in a situation where they're not sure, help us to be gracious. Help us to be slow to draw conclusions. But let us be discerning, Father, and let us be wise. Lord, you've called us together as a body to love Jesus together, serve him together, and Lord, you actually call those who, who lead to be servants to all. Help us to model that and help us to look for that. And Jesus, thank you that you're our shepherd. You are our shepherd. And we want to follow you all the way, Lord. And we want to follow you together. But you are the great shepherd. So help us today, help us in this and bring help and healing to anyone who's struggling with this issue in a very real and raw way right now, we pray. And we give you praise and, and honor and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll finish this up next week. Hope, God, fathers, I hope that you have a very blessed day and that all of you have a wonderful week in the Lord. Take care.